Back in high school, in certain classes, I walk in and nobody seems to really care. People are on their phones, on their computers, sleeping with their heads down. Who cares about the structure of nucleic acids? Why should I know that Washington crossed the Delaware? You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM Irvine, and this is Convos at the Counter, where we tell stories from people in our community. I'm Angela Gao, and this week, the impact of education. Just a quick reminder to our listeners, the views and opinions expressed on the show do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. For more information, please visit our website at KUCI.org. Let's jump right in. Combos of the Counter, Episode 6, The Impact of Education. Okay, um, well, my name is Christina Pappas. I am a fourth-year history major with an emphasis in the U.S. and Europe. And currently, I'm in Washington, D.C., participating in the UCDC Academic Year Program. So I'm interning at the Woodrow Wilson House and living in Washington, D.C., which is very exciting. I would highly recommend it because it's a really cool city. There's a lot to do. A lot for everybody, I think. And you really you have to make the most of it. And as a history major, it's very cool because a lot of history-type things happened here. And it's just really, really, really neat is all I can say. (laughs) So to whomever that wants to do this, I suggest that you do. So what, uh, what got you into history? Um, well, it's kind of a long story, (laughs) you know? Oh, go for it. As history tends to be, well, I mean, the thing is, is I've always been kind of plugged into history, like, since I was like a little kid, I always really liked Movies was sort of like a historical bent to it, you know? Uh-huh. I mean, I like fantasy movies like Disney. I was, I was about Disney. <laughs> but <laughs> since my father is Greek, we, we went to Greece a couple summers in a row. And obviously, like, ancient Greece is one of the most fascinating areas of study, in my opinion. Or at least, at least for me. And it was, just, it was really... just I remember just being very awestruck as a kid. You know, it's like these magnificent ruins, and like they're still standing, and they're like over 2,000 years old. I mean, I'm not going to do math because I can't do math. So I'm not going to give you an accurate year, <laughs> but it's just—it's really like it just kind of sticks with you. And as I got older, I my mother had a book on um, Disney, like on Walt Disney and like the Disney Company. It was like a, a kind of not an art book necessarily, but it was like a Disney Company over the years. So like it tra- chronicled like oh his early life, and so on and so forth, and I read a lot of books that were, like, older books, you know, like, I read The Wizard of Oz, which was, like, published in 1900, but no, it's just, like, it's always been just a presence in my life in some form, I mean, not, like, a traditional incarnation of history that you, like, learn in school, like, oh, well, these dates and times, like, oh, the magnificent story of the U.S., I went to Villa Park High School, and he was the AP U.S. history teacher. His name is Mr. Pearl. He's short. I think he's about 5'7", but he's small. He's got gray hair. He's from New York, New York City specifically. So he's got kind of like that, like, not tough guy demeanor a little bit, but that like really, like, kind of a tough guy demeanor, you know? <laughs> he, just, he looks very sharp. Like, he knows what's going on. You can't really pull the wool over his eyes. And I was so terrified to take that class. I had heard that this is the hardest class you'll take. You're not going to, like, be able to do this. But, I mean, 
it's like you, I never, like, I was good in school. Like, I, I always did well, but I was never, like, super passionate about stuff or about, like, what I was learning a lot, or at least in high school. Like, the first years of high school, I was kind of, like, I wasn't connecting with what I was learning. Like, I wasn't really feeling it, you know? What I do remember, I mean, maybe not necessarily the fondest moment, but it was the first test we took after starting the class because we started off, like, with, like, early colonial, which, frankly, is really boring, but <laughs> that's my opinion. Everybody finds different areas of history exciting. We took the test, and I remember a lot of people did really badly, mm-hmm. and I got my test back, and Mr. Pearl's like, you, know, you did pretty well. Or he was like, not bad, kid. And I was like, <gasps> and I, like, I did decent, and everybody, everybody else did badly, and I didn't. So, you know, I felt pretty, like, wow, you know, I can do this. Like, it's not, not that it's not hard, but that I could do it, you know? Because mm. it was a lot different from, like, previous history tests I had taken, you know? Because mm. before, it was just like, oh, names and dates. Like, oh, this, this is easy. Like, once you actually have to think about, like, the causation, why things happen, how they happen, you know, that's when it starts getting a little, a little tricky. Mm. A lot of it is up for debate. Is your being a emphasis on U.S. history in your major uh, due to some influence that he had on you, or? Oh, definitely. That, I would say about yeah, like, almost all of it is why. Because I took U.S. history, and, like, I really never had a standing interest in U.S. history. Like, I was, like, I knew about it, and there was areas about it that I really liked. It was never, like, a powerful interest in, like, his, the history of U.S. as a whole, mm-hmm. you know? It was more, like, certain aspects of it, like, like Hollywood's history. Like, I was all about that. He presented the information really well. Super, like, wow, this is so interesting, I didn't know... Uh, U.S. history had this, and U.S. history has a lot of um, crazy people in it. <laughs> so, like, I'm, I'm just going to put it out there. I think a lot of our presidents were, like, just kind of nuts. I mean, like, Andrew Jackson was pretty... Oh, yeah. He was a fireball, and he did some really nasty things, but... yeah. Oh, and man. then Theodore Roosevelt. Theodore Roosevelt is amazing. <laughs> so, I remember learning about Theodore Roosevelt, the great fundamental issue now before our... This guy's great. How did I not really know about him before? <laughs> hunting bears? Yes, hunting bears and busting trust and uh, founding national parks. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Opening the Panama Canal, even though Panama, Panama did not want a canal in Panama. <laughs> you learn about the U.S.'s pretty ugly relationship with Latin America very quickly. Mm. <laughs> but <laughs> that's neither here nor there. But, yeah, I mean, it's just, U.S. history is like this wonderful sort of tapestry. So many different things. I mean, there is there are a lot of issues in it, you know, some things that are very awful, obviously, like slavery. And, again, U.S. and Latin America is a very nasty, sordid relationship. But you can't escape that. Like, whatever area of history you study, there's going to be some sort of problem that's, like, offensive to you as a modern person, you know? Mm-hmm. But that's, that's, I mean, I hate to be dismissive and say, like, well, that's just the way it is, but it's just, that's how it was, you know? And you can try to learn from that and make sure that that doesn't happen again, 
you know, yep. by like being informed. That's what's so important about history to me, or one thing that's really important outside of being like a great entertaining sort of thing <laughs> is that so many things repeat themselves in different sort of manifestations. You know, it's fundamentally the same. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of things that you can take from history and apply it to today. Mm. So, history is just really awesome. That's that's what I'm trying to get at. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> anybody, anybody, anybody out there who is allergic to history, I will tell you, you've probably been taught history wrong because people have um, what I've noticed, and I remember even like learning it this way is that you're taught history as a series of dates you memorize. And when you do it that way, and this is something that Mr. Pearl also, like, told us from the very beginning, and, I, you know, it makes you completely right, is that dates are more of, like, a, a guide to history. You know, it, it orients you into what was happening, but you have to look beyond that and see, like, what, what happened. Like, you can't get to point A point B and like oh well 1914 or excuse me June 28 1914 Franz Ferdinand is shot in Serbia by you know a member of the Black Hand it's like well and thus inciting the First World War it's like well there's so much more underneath that like why was Franz Ferdinand shot like why why would some Serbian nationalists kill the Archduke of Austria-Hungary you know mm-hmm. and like even beyond the realm of like individuals like what about relationships between countries at that point there was a lot of <sighs> jockeying for power you know mm-hmm. and to cut that out by boiling a war that is so complex down to well this one archduke was assassinated and the entirety of europe and the u.s and asia and like the middle east got involved it's like <laughs> that's so that's so it, it it cheats you of like being more knowledgeable about the topic, you know, or or immersing yourself more into it. So dates are important, but do not define history by dates. I feel like maybe sometimes people are a bit intimidated, but I would say if like you're not not going to like maybe not seriously study history but just like kind of dip your toe into the big pool just like read a biography of somebody that was maybe in a field you're interested in you know and then you get a sense of like an intro like do historical fiction or read a biography read a biography of a president because presidents are often very interesting some died after like only a year in office (laughs) but yeah it's just like you learn a you learn a lot by having sort of like one person and then you have sort of like the the web around him the web of history right yeah people aren't like devoid of historical context Mm -hmm. oh exactly that's that's a a great way of putting it it's like people exist in their time right yeah they don't exist out of time they're not time travelers (laughs) you know That was our first guest, Christina Pappas, talking about how history has influenced her life. For our listeners just tuning in, this is Convos at the Counter with Angela Gao, where we share stories from people in our community 
This week we're taking a look at the impact of education and how it shapes you, how it affects what you do. This is KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine. Our next guest has done something pretty incredible with her education for education. Here she is. My name is Tanya Reza. I'm a fourth year graduating senior at UCI, um, double majoring in art history and social ecology, mm-hmm. and I will be going to USC in the fall for public policy. Whoa! I'm really excited. <laughs> public policy? Public policy. Education policy. In the fall of 2012, amidst all the happenings of a final year in university, Tanya started up an organization called Create Progress. So Create Progress is a not-for-profit organization that we started that um, promotes academic achievement, artistic expression, and social development in children around the world. But um, right now we're just focusing on South Africa. We have a program there that serves 300 children in kindergarten and first grade. And I mean, I think it's going well, so... (laughs) Um, And you're the founder of this... Yeah, I started it in November. So I spent last summer in South Africa and I realized that they didn't have any kind of art supplies, Um, they didn't have any funding to have art and music programs, and the children would really benefit from those kind of programs because a lot of them had, um, you know, learning disabilities, they didn't really have any other means of expressing themselves, so we said, okay, let's try and start an art program. So we held art drives and we've kind of fundraised enough to pay for an art teacher who comes three times a week to teach them art and we've sent enough art supplies to last them for the entire year and we kind of have regular shipments go out. And then we've also created um, lesson plans and we sent, sent to them, but we don't want to impose anything on them, so we let them adapt it based on you know cultural um, standards, I guess, and also um, like the supplies that they have and they're receiving on their end also. And we're also collaborating with um, CUSA and Professor Matthews' Sustainability 2 class to create an art and sustainability curriculum that'll be hopefully implemented in September. So we have a bunch of students working on teaching art and sustainability, like creating lesson plans for that. I guess you could call it like educational support to children who don't get much of it. Exactly. Educational support. Well, we tried, you know, it's just our little part. Um, but we've also hired an artist, so he's a musician over there. Mm-hmm. Um, he's really good. He plays um, pretty locally, and he has a good following over there. And we said, you know, we want to support you, um, and we want you to teach art to these kids. And so we pay him a salary. And so we have someone who's pretty well trained. Like, he knows the arts he you know, has a passion for it. It's not just some random person. Like a professional. Like, exactly, a professional. Just someone who's like, okay, kids, let's color. Like, he's very creative. You you bring these art supplies over to kids in South Africa. Like, what kind of kids do you reach? So, um, these children, a lot of them are from the townships of South Africa. Um, the townships are, like, the not- I guess the not so good part of town, like a lot of them, I mean, I guess it can be kind of likened to a slum. There's different degrees of townships, but you know, when I was there, a lot of people like who lived in the townships didn't have enough food to eat for dinner and for breakfast. You know, their houses were easily flooded, just not very good infrastructure. So yeah. So as of now, they get um, 
weekly arts education, um, completely free of charge. They have um, a teacher that is very well trained, is really engaged with the kids, and you know they're just they're getting to experiment with different mediums of art, like different you know they got crayons, color pencils, markers, acrylic paints, like this is just things they never had access to before. Mm -hmm. So, um, so you do do fine arts and music, is that it? Not music yet because the cost of musical instruments is a lot more expensive than just like crayons, but that's something that we're definitely exploring Okay. for the future once we kind of add on to that program in South Africa. Okay. But we are expanding. Oh yeah. Yeah. Tell me more about that. We are expanding to, so my family's from Pakistan and so we have a couple of schools in Pakistan. Um, who want us to bring our arts programs over there and so we're kind of looking into I think two schools and then we have one in potentially this one will probably be a little bit later but Guadalajara in Mexico can you paint a picture of what South Africa looked at, looked like when you went there yes so oh my god all right um so it's definitely it's like total opposite ends of the spectrum. Like, on the one hand, you have like the townships, which are run-down, rickety buildings. You know, um, it's poverty. It's basically like the definition of poverty. You know, children are hungry. It's just, it's not a very good place. Like, there's not a lot of sanitation. And then, you know, you go into like the city and like a little bit outside of the city by the ocean, and it literally looks like Orange County. Um, you're by this beautiful like coast. There's this nice giant mall um, with like it, it's like South Coast Fashion Island, and then like the beach. It's just it's so insane. And there's this huge divide between um, like you know like the rich and poor, and then you know yeah. Okay, so there's like a huge spectrum there. Yeah, very big spectrum. But there's there's like a lot of culture, a lot of crafts. Um, I bought so much jewelry. It's crazy. Um, I went on a safari. That was really cool. It was not in Cape Town, but it was um, probably like two hours away. It wasn't like a real safari, but it was really cool still. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I pet a cheetah. Aww. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so could you tell me a little bit more about the your visit to South Africa that sort of, I guess, inspired this? Yeah. Um, like, I don't want to paint a really sad picture of South Africa. It is fantastic. It is a great place to be. There's a lot of culture, a lot of color. It's, it's a lot of fun. But um, so the school I was working at was in the middle of the city. So it was a nice, relatively nice area. Like it was a nice big building. But the kids came from, um, from townships. Um, so they had to be bused in probably two hours to get to school. And they had to be there by, I think it was 7.30 in the morning. And so I was working at a literacy center and I was working with second and third graders. And one thing I remember is they were always really enthusiastic to be in school, but at the same time, you know, they didn't have enough food to eat in the morning, like their stomachs would be growling. It was winter there, but I went in the summer, but it was winter for them. And so their houses would be flooded a lot of the time and they'd just be like, I couldn't sleep, sorry, I can't concentrate. But I just remember at the end of the day, they were just so excited that they were like reading and learning. So that's kind of the impression I had. But with one kid, um, he just wasn't getting the lesson. He just couldn't understand English. He wasn't following 
he was in third grade and he should have been, you know, reading and he couldn't even write like a simple letter. Over there, a lot of the kids, they're in English schools, but they don't speak English. Right. And so they're just, but because there's not enough space in the public school system, they just kind of keep pushing them through the grades. And so he was in third grade, but he just couldn't even do like a kindergartner's work. And so we used art to kind of kind of push him along, and he really responded well to that, so that's kind of mm. why Create Progress was kind of born. So um, you have a background in art history and social ecology? So social ecology, Social yeah. ecology, okay. Um, has, how, I, I'm sure this has something to do with, like, I, I feel like I can see, like, the art part come here and like the social ecology part come and then like together they they work like to benefit your oh they totally do it's it's definitely an <laughs> interdisciplinary thing because on the one hand we definitely value art education and that's kind of art history the appreciation of art and culture but then the social ecology side is kind of it's um the policy I'm trying to think. It's just like, you know, sustainability, trying to teach about social and environmental problems. And it's, you got to have basis in both in order to kind of, mm -hmm. you know. To have even anything like take off. Because even if you just have the art, like, I feel like it wouldn't have the legs to kind of run on. Right. It can't just be like, oh, we want to start an art program. It's like, we want to start an art program and we want to start this movement. And it's going to teach about, you know, social problems and environmental issues and yeah. Create Progress has only been around for December, January, February, March, April, May. Six months Six now. Six months, yeah. Wow. Um. I did not realize that until right now. <laughs> I feel like it's just been like a part, you know? Like, um, yeah. Yeah, so how have these past six months been like what has your life been like now all of a sudden you have a, a, a sort of project on the side of being a student and um it's pretty much taken full focus like I'm graduating senior so I gotta gotta kind of stay focused on classes but I, I mean it's literally like what I do like I'll be sitting and talking with my friends and I'm like oh I just had a great idea and they're just like don't say anything about career progress, not right now. <laughs> but most, I mean, I've definitely had a lot of support um, from them, so. Mm. Yeah, it's just, I mean, it's just, it's like what I think about, it's like what I wanna do. You know, I'm thinking when I go to USC, I can start a chapter over there and like leave a chapter over here. It's just, you know. Uh -huh. um, and we're trying to expand and then, you know, eventually we even wanna create schools that are arts-based, that have like this arts-integrated curriculum. So it's definitely not just like a little project that we wanna do right. and then kinda leave. We wanna grow this. And, right, like this is your baby. This is my baby. You know, we actually, like it started out with just me and then I got people like um, Madeline Oliver, she's our marketing director. She lives in Sacramento. And then we have Larissa, Larissa Fong, and mm -hmm. she's just, you know, this, she's an art history major, but I don't think I've ever actually met her. And they've just been reaching out and they're like, you know, this sounds cool. And so we're kind of starting this movement. You know, Kiza's really interested in what we're doing. Um, Professor Matthew's like, art's really good. So um, that sounded really dumb, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> art can change the world. So um, yeah, I don't remember what the question was. <laughs> Sorry, it's okay. I, this quarter I'm taking two classes here at UCI 
Education 137, which is art in elementary school. I was gonna take that! <laughs> yes! And um, Education 104D, which is teaching fine arts. I think I was actually gonna take that. Is that Monday from like 11 to... No, that's 137. Okay. 104D is uh, Wednesdays from 9 to 12. <sighs> but they're both like artsy education classes. Yeah. And it's really given me a lot of insight into like the ways that kids learn and things about our own education system and how like the plight of arts education I know <laughs> everywhere me. I've like looked into it and I'm just like oh my god I gotta get some art back in here yeah um so I'm really like that's what actually really made me like oh she's doing something that's like humanitarian but it's art based so it's art based yeah yeah we don't allocate nearly enough resources to pay for arts education and so it's just being cut you know even in the u.s just mm. there's arts is just kind of going down and down and down so yeah yeah it, like kind of hurts me right here because like i feel like so many people like could benefit so much more by adding that art element to their learning experience definitely it's also a way to kind of preserve culture and, mm, you know, kind sure. of appreciate different types of things in the world, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, like any nonprofit, money is always the biggest issue. Um, you know, we've, we've pretty much created this system where we have individual sponsorships for children, which is they get arts education for the whole year. Um, and that's worked pretty well. We've had a lot of people interested. They're like, I can handle that. You know, it's not too much. Um, but I think we just need to expand our reach a little bit more because it's been very limited to like UCI population and we need to try to get into like the local community, you know, LA, um, and just, I guess, out a little bit. So just kind of pushing that envelope a little bit more would be good. Yeah, it's been kind of, I mean, I've definitely had a lot of support from like family and friends and I mean, just even like random people who haven't really met, like, you know, you. Um, but most people are like, why aren't you giving water or food mm -hmm. or just basic education? Like, why do you need this frill of, of like art or they call it a frill? And so it's, it's been kind of challenging trying to explain to them, like, it's not just a frill. It really helps with emotional and cognitive development. But mm -hmm. I mean, we're slowly getting there. There's, I think once we show the results of these kids, how they're doing the benefits of arts education, maybe we can change everyone's mind. So if people wanted to help you and support you in some way, how can they get involved? Um, so I recognize that this is going to go out to a college audience, but I mean, one of the main ways is always, you know, sponsor your child. But, you know, even just like, a little pack of crayons or colored pencils. I have all the information listed on our ad uh, on our website, mm -hmm. um, where they can just donate just even a couple of those materials. It really, really helps because you know they share all the supplies, and so it really goes a long way. Even liking our Facebook page, sharing it, um, we're trying to increase the amount of likes because then people think that we're actually really cool, and so they actually want to check us out. <laughs> um, it, it works. Trust me, like that's what people think. Mm -hmm. Ooh, they have like a hundred million likes. They must be legit. Exactly. That's that's literally what people think. So that would be very helpful. Um, I don't know. And if you're interested, you know, we're always looking for people to kind of come on board. Like we're not 
a very established organization, which is good for a lot of people because they get to contribute their ideas. It's very flexible. It's open to your schedule. So, you know, pretty much you'd be helping an organization grow. So you can just contact me. Okay. Uh, um, so what is the website that they can go to? So it's www.create-progress.org. That's our show today. This episode was produced by me, Angela Gao, with special thanks this week to Larissa Fong for getting me connected with Create Progress. To get involved, please visit Tanya's website. We'll have a link to that on our website as well, convosatthecounter.wordpress.com. You can listen to all of our old episodes on the podcast online. Stick around. We've got Off the Couch with Paul Osgood coming right up. This is KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine. dry all they wanted was a villain a villain and all they had was me all they wanted was a villain a villain so then they just took me